Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad that you're here. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we basically just chat. We chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. It's a super fun show, and I'm so glad that you're here. I want to thank one of our sponsors for today's show, and that is Hooray Mail. Hooray Mail is a subscription snail mail delivered twice per month for kids ages 2 to 6. In each brightly colored envelope, you will find a personalized card and a fun activity delivered straight to the child. The activities are super simple and can be done in five minutes using supplies you already have around your home like crayons or scissors. Kids grow like weeds before your eyes and get plenty of daily screen time. Let's slow down a minute and start a snail mail revolution. Because really, what kid, or adult for that matter, doesn't love mail? Use the code HAPPYHOUR at HoorayMail.com to get 50% off your first month. That's two snail mail cards per month. Thank you, Hooray Mail. Before we get to the conversation with Shelly, I want to invite you to come over and find me on Instagram. It's my most favorite social media platform, and I would love to connect with you. I'm constantly posting stuff about the show, stuff about my family, fun stuff we're doing, all my husband's awesome cooking. I know. I hope you don't get tired of that. But it's super fun over there. So come find me on Instagram. It's at Jamie Ivy. Guys, today you're listening to episode number 85, and today my guest is my friend Shelly Giglio. Shelly and her husband Louie started Passion over 20 years ago. Can you believe that? I was able to share with Shelly how my life was changed drastically at Passion in 1999. We talked about the church and women serving, plus mentorship and all the ways that God has grown their ministry over the years. You're going to love my conversation with Shelly. Well, thanks for joining me on the happy hour, Shelly. Hey, I'm so thrilled. Thanks for inviting me. This is super fun. What does your Monday hold today? Like what's a Monday in your life? Well, you know, Mondays are honestly supposed to be a little uh, more of a day off. Um, I guess when we planted the church about six years ago, it became apparent that there needed to be some time that we weren't working. Yeah, that, that's so hard, isn't it? But it's, it's so true. It's an interesting combination with the rest of life. But <laughs> You're right. Um, so Mondays generally, I, I kind of, you know, started out in my mind thinking Mondays would kind of be that day of rest, but it just doesn't usually work out to be that. So I try to take Monday mornings a little bit slower, usually have lunch with my husband, kind of download from the weekend, kind of make a plan for the week, just what's coming up. And then I usually kick it into gear right about, right about lunchtime. So mm-hmm. we're right on time. Well, good. I'm your first work of the day. We're right on time. Oh, do y'all have Saturday night services as well? We do not. Okay. Um, we just have three right now, three on Sunday. And we are about to plant um, an additional campus. And so, you know, I don't know how that will affect things or mm-hmm. schedule wise or how things will change, but it'll be really exciting. Yeah. We, um, Aaron, you know my husband, Aaron, he has the same way on Mondays. It's like his like day off Sabbath. How does he do? I might need to have him help me. Well, is you he- know, he like 
he he sleeps really late because he's just he's playing out exhausted after leaving yeah, worship four long, times. It's, it's a, a long day. It's a long day, and I don't think I really understood until I was married to someone who led um like on a Sunday for that many times. Yeah, like it, you're physically drained, but yeah. you're also kind of like emotionally and spiritually drained yes. as well. I mean, we need to remember that the people that are pouring out on Sundays, like they're not just pouring out physically and emotionally, but it's like spiritually they're poured out. You know? Yeah, I think the I think you underestimate kind of what it takes to, and um, you know, for me, I'm not preaching three times on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, in other supporting roles, and obviously doing as much as I can in different areas, but um, I feel like you have to give yourself the margin that really is required. And for whatever reason, because God set Sabbath up in our lives so long ago, and for whatever reason, we have the hardest time as humans trying to really keep in mind what is necessary to survive. And we refuse, I think, to listen to God and hear what he has to say over us, which is, I've created you in this way. I need you to take some rest. This is good for you, and it's good for everyone else as a result of that. And it's really my plan for you. And for whatever reason, particularly in America, I would guess we are driven to go for it every day. And mm-hmm. and I don't think it's the best plan. And, and when I usually take some space in my life is when I really see the fruit of that. So just trying to be committed to that where I can. Sometimes yeah. it's not always on a Monday, but wherever it Sometime appears. Sometimes during the week. Yeah, wherever it appears, you just try to take and grab hold of it and use it for um, just replenishment, you know, just resetting your life. And, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm good for Aaron that he's on schedule. I love it. He does it really well. Yes. Okay. So I I want to talk about, your, you mentioned a church that you guys planted. And yeah. um, I want to talk about that, but I want to go back a lot further. Um, Let's do. I want to go back a lot further um, in your life and in my life. So I went to my very first passion in... I, you can correct me because you probably remember. I think it was in like January of '99. Was that y'all's second year? That was the third year. We started in '97, so that would have been the third year. Was it in Fort Worth, Texas? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was like, a great year. Like my life was like it's like a turning point for my life. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure that so you hear remarkable. that a million no, times. It, it it could never get old. It is. I think one of the greatest privileges in life to have a story that you get to intersect so many people's lives. And I would have never imagined that we would have that privilege, honestly, but just to hear people and to meet people, you know, that was a long time ago and to meet people today mm-hmm. and to, and to even know people, some people I've known for a while that all of a sudden they'll say, you know, when I first came to understand what you guys did was in 1997, I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you tell me that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to hear how passion started. Well, passion was, um, you know, was a seed of an idea. It was really a vision, I think directly from God to Louie. Um, it was an interesting time in our life and I'll give you just a little bit of context because I think that helps people Mm -hmm. a identify that things aren't always going super well, you know, when God plants vision in our life, it's not always like, Oh, I was at the beach and I was, you know, just looking at the sunset and all of a sudden I realized this is what I need to be doing with my life. Sometimes it's in the middle of just crisis, Mm -hmm. just complete, like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And so we were in a time period where Louie's father had uh, become really, really sick with a brain virus called encephalitis. And he had several brain surgeries, was in intensive care for weeks and months, ended up having a stroke, was paralyzed, and basically lived in that condition for seven years. Mm. 
And Louie and I at the time were living in Texas. Uh, we lived in Waco, Texas, where I went to school. I went to Baylor University and then Go Bears, sick on Bears. Yeah, that's what y'all say. Bears, mm-hmm. Sick on Bears. And then um and then Louie came to do um kind of a just a ministry moment after he finished grad school. So he had been in seminary in Fort Worth had just finished and came to Baylor. We knew we were going to get married. We were kind of in that last year of my school. And so he came, and as he came, uh, one of the students in our life spoke over our life um, really directly to us, just said, what What if we really saw God do something on this campus? And when she did, it was awakened in us. That's what we really want to be a part of. And so we ended up planning ministry at Baylor and staying there for 10 years. Well, on the 10th year, um, while Louis' dad had been sick all these years in Atlanta, we had this freedom to to leave Waco, to move to Atlanta, and to help his mom care for his dad. And that's really what our heart had been for a long time, but we just didn't feel a lot of release in those earlier years. And so we started the transition. Uh, we, we downloaded our ministry to uh, people that were on our team. We started all that transition, and we started the process of moving to Atlanta. And in that window, Louis' dad suddenly died of a heart attack. Mm. Completely Nothing un- related to completely what Completely unrelated. Okay. Uh, very sudden, completely unrelated, you know, so untimely in mm-hmm. so many ways. Obviously, losing a parent is one of the most difficult hardships you'll ever go through in life. And um, just tragic, you know, just like, oh, my gosh, we missed it. We were supposed to go sooner. Mm. What in the world? And so we were in a little bit of a crisis, and we moved on to Atlanta. We were here for a little season without Can really much. Can I ask much... you a question real quick? Because well, you yeah. just said something that I feel like we might feel a lot in our lives. Is You just said you felt like we missed it, like we should have moved sooner. Yes. How did you reconcile that? Because I, I understand know, I that feeling. I really don't know okay. if you can ever figure it out because I think only until we get to heaven do we really understand how all the days are numbered. Yeah. You know, and we're looking sort of through a, a clouded glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we can't really understand fully what's happening all the time. I think that's part of the mystery of God. And um, in that moment, it was pretty cloudy because we thought, well, we had an, an opportunity. We had the freedom to come. We had an opportunity to go ahead and do that. And maybe we could have been here sooner and been mm-hmm. a part of Louis' dad's life in those last days. I mean, we didn't know his life was about to end. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we were just confused, but we went ahead and moved in faith, just thinking, God, want you want us to go. Obviously, Louie's mom had just lost her husband. Uh, Louie's sister had just gone through a, a difficult divorce. It was a good time for us to be in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but we didn't have a purpose. We didn't know exactly why. Um, during that season, there, we started a Bible study in Atlanta, which had a great impact on a lot of people in our city called 722. It was a really amazing thing to watch God do. So that started, but Louis was flying one day and he was on a plane and he was looking in a magazine and he said, God just deposited a picture in his mind of literally thousands of students with their faces to the ground saying, God, please have mercy on us. And he's like, I don't even know what that was. So it took him a while to kind of, I think, to even say it out loud to me. We prayed about it for a while and it became apparent that that's what God wanted us to do with our life. We had been on one campus doing ministry for about 10 years at Baylor. Mm -hmm. But when we left, I think God released us to see all the campuses Mm -hmm. and not just our campus. And all of a sudden our lives became sent to the campuses of the States and ultimately around the world. Mm -hmm. And, and it was just that flash of a moment of God just saying, here's what I have for you. And, And it was sort of in that crisis of not knowing of being someplace that you don't even know exactly why, Um, but trusting that God had all of those things planned. 
and uh, just believing them enough to, to take the next step of the vision when you see it. And so that's what we did with passion. We just literally said, well, if there are thousands of faces on the ground, where do we start? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, honestly, my gift is more in, okay, what do we do first? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Louis, Louis is in, Hey, I heard from God. And mine is in, Hey, what are like, we let's do make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we started just simply. We started in Austin, interestingly enough, which is where you are today, yeah. which I love. Um, we started at the convention center. We had 2,000 students the first year, and it was a really God-sized um, time. So that was the first passion? The first passion was in 1997 in Austin, Texas. I did not know that. Yeah. So by the time you came, it was the third one, I guess, in 99. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and Fort Worth. soon after that, the next year was one day, a yes. passion day, which was in Memphis, Tennessee, the first one. And there were 40,000 students there with their faces on the ground. And, and just to stand in that moment and to know that God that just deposited that into our life. Uh -huh. And told us that this is what we were going to see, but really, it took it required so much faith of us to to believe that God could do what He said He would do, and to take steps toward that. And I just think about everybody today that's thinking about you know vision for their life mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what is God saying to me, and just to understand that you can't control what He gives you. The stewardship that He hands you, He hands uniquely to you. Mm -hmm. So you don't have any control over what that is. And I never would have dreamed we'd be doing what we're doing, but God handed it to us. Mm -hmm. our, our part of participation is just believing, having the faith to understand that God can actually do what He said. Yeah. And, and sort of move in His direction. And when we do, I think it engages our life with His plan. And all of a sudden we, we stand in our case, this will be our 20th year of passion, 20 years later, so looking crazy. at what God has done. I'm just so in, crazy. And honest, just disbelief that we could be a part of it. It's so, so. I mean, like people, I mean, it's just, it's just really, really crazy. But I, but you just said something too, when you're like this people that hear from God and they feel like that they, they have something that they, that God has put before them, this task, it might seem like they don't know what it means. Kind of like Louis' vision of like, I see this. I don't really know what this means. Exactly. You would have never thought 20 years later that you'd be doing, you know, these huge conferences. Um, during that time, you know, 95, 96, 97, did you ever have a moment when you were like, I don't know if this is going to work? Oh, goodness. Not a moment. So many <laughs> of them, I couldn't even count them. Um, Just yeah, because, was it out so of fear or questions. circumstances? Uh, it was some of both. You mm -hmm. know, we didn't have the finances to do what we were called to do. We really didn't know how God was going to provide the finances to do what we were called to do. Obviously, students are students, so they can't really pay their own yeah. way very well. And so you're looking to other people who are hopefully more responsible adults who s certainly have jobs at this point and can help us, you know, raise enough money that students can afford to come. So there were just all these huge mountains of concerns. And, uh, and honestly, in most cases, I think there, there are a lot of the things that stop us. They, yeah. they are, it's not the big stuff. It's not that we don't believe God can do it sometimes. It's the, how is he going to do it? Mm. And because we can't see the how, we just stop. We just, yeah. we become inactive in, and our faith becomes, I guess, dormant at that point. It's like, well, I just don't know how he's going to do it. So I don't, I guess we'll just not do it. Yeah. And I think for us, if we've done anything right, it's it's been honestly just to keep moving in the direction of God, mm. and and to not fear and um, and uh, and and feel like that the next step is not going to be covered because we can't see it, but mm. to trust that He's got that one as well. Yeah. And um and every time we felt fear rise up, uh, we let faith 
hopefully overtake that fear and just take one step. And I think a lot of people think when they're they're called to something great that they have to go from where they are to to something great. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you just have to go from where you are to the next step. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> you don't true. have to make it all to great yet. It's just, so true because then you could because so much is gained in the journey. Exactly. Just try to be obedient yeah. and just try to take the step that's in front of you and be faithful with that. And God says so clear in Scripture that he will give much to people who are faithful and little. That's who he gives much to. And so if your vision is huge and you have no idea how you're going to do it, then just take a step. Uh-huh. Just take a step. And when you take a step, God rewards. He sees, he rewards, and you start taking next steps and next steps. And soon enough, you'll be standing in something that is God-sized that you have no earthly idea how you got to. You, the only way you did it was by taking little steps of obedience. And that's certainly the story of our life. That is so good. And I think that is such an encouragement on so many areas of our lives as women, whether that be in pursuing a dream or whether that be in, you know, trying something out new or joining a new ministry, whatever it might look like. Well, I I would think you know that even just watching your podcast explode and, you know, God, God probably showed you some of that before you started, Hey, you're going to be effective in what you're going to do. And I'm going to make a way for this, but you didn't know how that was going to happen. So you just had to be obedient and start building. For, one, I mean, brick, one brick at a time. For sure. What when is I it going to be? Exactly. You know? And when I started, I mean, using that illustration, when I started my podcast, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, exactly. you know, and I know more now than I did then. And I still have so much more to learn. Yeah. Um, but it was just a matter of putting one step in front of the other. And I think, too, you said something that made me think about this. Too. I think sometimes we put qualities of man onto God. And so, therefore, when things seem like there's no way for that to work. If it was like a human, we'd be like, well, there's no physical way for that to work. True. I'm out. That's it. Yeah. You know, and then we forget, well, this is actually God. And Thank so you. these Thank qualities don't God. apply to him. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So. I feel I feel like um I feel like what helps me the most in taking steps of obedience is right sizing God in my life. Mm. And obviously obviously for me, scripture, worship, lots of things help do that. But when I get him in the right proportion to me, it's easier for me to take a step of obedience. I think when I have him downsize to be like me, like, oh, you're just like me and Mm -hmm. we're just kind of figuring this out together, that's when I stumble a lot and I can't seem to obey. I can't seem to activate sort of what God's called me to. But when I step back and I really put God in the place of being God and in charge of everything, creator and in charge of everything. It's easier for me to go today, okay, what can I do to move toward what I feel like God's calling me to? And so I just encourage you today, if you feel like you're like stuck, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like, okay, I think I know, but I can't seem to get past where I am. Mm Then just to to spend some time worshiping and reading the word and letting God be right sized in your heart and in your mind, and um and hope hope in your heart that that will free you to go ahead and take a step out in faith and in obedience. That's good, and I think that's something that um, there's probably people listening, women that needed to hear that today. Hope so, guys. Before we get back, I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors, Prep Dish. PrepDish is a healthy subscription-based meal planning service. Each week, you're going to receive an email that's going to contain a grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. Basically, the chef, Allison, at Prep Dish is going to tell you exactly what to do. She's going to tell you what to buy. She's going to tell you how to prep it. And then she's going to give you directions for when it's time to cook it. So you're going to spend one day, maybe two to three hours, meal prepping. 
You're going to get everything ready to go, and then you're going to have meals ready for the rest of the week. And not just any meals, but they're healthy. You can choose between paleo and gluten-free. Prep Dish is literally your answer to what's for dinner because you've already prepped it. Allison is offering all the listeners of Happy Hour a special rate of $4 for the first month. That's $1 for the weekly meal plan. $4 for the first month. Go to prepdish.com slash happy hour to get started today. Um, speaking of women, you you do a lot with mentoring and pouring into women. Um, yes, we do. You do. And so has that always been, I'm, I'm going to guess it's always been a value of yours, but has it always been a really high value um, in your ministry? Um, or has that something that's kind of evolved over the years in your ministry? Well, interestingly enough, I've always mentored people um, through the years, obviously, uh, being on college campuses. Louie and I were laughing the other day um, back to our early days of just having students in our house all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I wonder looking back when we slept or what we did to survive. I don't really know. It just felt like there was always a, a group of students around us and we were always investing in them and trying to raise them up to be great mm-hmm. people not really great leaders even, just great people. Like you honestly can be game changers for the world. Mm. And and so I've always had a real heart for that. I think one of the things that wakes me up in the morning is the idea that God can do something in and through my life that can last longer than me. Mm. And the way that he does that is by me investing in the next generation of people and really believing that that whatever I do will be limited. Obviously, I'm, I'm only capable of so much, and God will only use me so much, and I think hopefully that will be great. But but I want to be a part of a story that goes way past me, mm. <laughs> and, and it motivates me when I wake up in the morning to think, who can I raise into position and, and help believe in themselves to the degree that they can be mobilized to change the world? And it will be such a greater impact than whatever Louie and I would ever have in life. And so I've always had that fueling my heart and sort of driving my days. Um, But in recent days, we did plant, um, as a part of Passion City Church here in Atlanta, we planted a a thing called The Grove. And Mm -hmm. it's a a ministry for women. It's really just a time of um, spurring each other on. It's a time of calling each other up to the possibility in God and what He can do in and through our lives. And and so we, we planted that several years ago, about three years ago. And as a part of that vision for The Grove, there was also a part of the vision that was for the ancillary, which is called Flourish. And it is a mentoring program. And for me, it was formalizing sort of what my life had been on mission mm-hmm. for for a long time. But it was coming around it and making it, I think, available to more people. And specifically the women of our house. I have a real heart for helping women understand that uh, there's a place for them in the house of God. Hmm. Do you think and, that that's something that hasn't been um, expressed very often? I, or very I well. I definitely or... think in my generation that there was a great fear of mm-hmm. how and where women fit in the yeah. house of God. Yeah. And and so you're and, just kind of saying, hey, I want to come along. I want to help you figure that out because you may not know. Yeah. And I think women are going to end up taking positions of leadership and influence somewhere. And I think the most tragic thing would be to think that they have to look outside the house of God to do that. Mm. 
Yeah. And I'm like, the church is God's chosen instrument, and He wants to use our life in and through His body. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that there needs and has to be people that make a way for that to happen. And so my heart is to raise people up spiritually so that they can truly have a firm foundation under their feet. They can truly be rooted in the person of Jesus and in the Scripture. They can flourish in His Word you know, they can really come alive. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, then that will establish them in the church and through the body of Christ, and it will extend them to the utter reaches of earth. And so that's what Flourish is about. We have about 450 women right now that are being mentored through our program at Passion City Church. It's amazing. So then do you have 450 people that are mentoring? So we have about 200 and something mentors who have all been trained and and raised up. And then we have about 250 mentees. So there's about Uh uh, 450 or so women involved. And so what's the program, like what's the model that they walk through? Well, it's interesting. You know, we started looking at all the models and obviously there are great ones. Women have been writing about mentoring for years, Mm -hmm. but we didn't feel a real freedom to go with any of those. So we've just written our own little uh, program. It's all scripture based. Mm -hmm. It's the study of the word together. And we've just done it over um, a year's period of time. We did the first year last year. It was so well received and um, helpful that we allowed some of those women to stay in for another year Mm -hmm. so that we could do another year of the same thing at kind of a deeper dive. Um, And then we have a bunch of new women that are doing it for the first time. So it is, you know, our hope is over the next 10, 15, 20 years that our house and the houses of the city and around the world will be built because our lives have been built Mm. because we've been built and we are the church. That's so, you know, the church is not a building, it's us. Mm -hmm. And so we, we need to have our lives built in such a way that we can um, be the people that God sends in all the places of earth. So I'm pretty excited about it. That's awesome. Shelly, you're the first person I've ever heard call their church, the house. Yeah. You know, I think that's a cultural thing. Is it? I think for us it is because okay. I really believe um, and we believe that people are most um, themselves at home. Uh huh. True. That's where you're most That's yourself. That's where you That's let where it you all have hang your PJs out. Up. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's where uh, people are like, rain your hair. It, it really looks interesting. <laughs> you're like, I'm so in my house. It doesn't matter. You're, you're most at home and, you know, in that place, you're just, you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. You're, you, your walls are down. You don't feel like you're trying to be somebody. You're just yourself. And that's our hope is that we're building a culture within God's house that we have the same feeling of our walls are down, our life is vulnerable, we're, we're loving in such a way that, that everything about us is most comfortable. And yet we can then reach a lot of other people because it becomes less about us and more about seeing other people and being available to other people's needs as well. And so we do. We call it a house. And a, it's a very um, important thing to us that people feel most at home here. I really love that because I would say that it just in my like small um, traveling around and speaking that I feel as though sometimes um, churches are not doing a good job of helping create that house mentality like you mentioned. And it becomes this place where you actually have to look like you really have it all together. Yeah, well, I think it starts you know, with leadership sometimes too. And, um, it's, it's pretty obvious that Louie and I don't have it all together. I think it helps people. <laughs> They're like, Oh, okay. It's okay. to be pulling it together all the time. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, that's the reality of life for, for whatever reason, God's allowed us to live on broken earth and things just don't always go well and they don't always work out. And I think for us to have to act like that they do become something that's not about God, but it's about mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. 
And as soon as we take the focus off of him and his sustainability and his grace in our life, then we become religious people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. religion, religion doesn't get us where we're going. Mm-hmm. And so that's only by grace that we get where we're going. And so I just, um, I think our vulnerability to show people that we're real people with real struggles, that we have real needs, uh, it helps lead people in a way that they can recognize it in themselves. But it also leads us past it too. It leads us beyond ourselves, And I think that's my, my hope is that Passion City Church and the churches around us, whoever we might have influence with, will become people that are, are structured in such a way that we can really get past ourselves. And that's pretty unusual for humans. You know, I mean, we, we just trip up on us all the time. And I think when we become vulnerable to say we don't have it all together, but we're open, we're willing, we're available, mm-hmm. then that's where God really intersects and starts using our lives in some significant ways. I want to know, Shelly, how do you and Louie, how do y'all like unwind? You both lead very busy lives. You're in charge of lots of different ministries. You have your hands in different organizations. How do you guys unwind? You know, we like a lot of different things. We enjoy being together a lot. And um, we love outdoor stuff together. We love um, going on vacations together. We love food. We love thinking about a certain restaurant that we want to go to on whatever night we have available. Mm -hmm. You know, we just enjoy life. And um, I feel like there are a lot of people that are in ministry that feel guilty for that. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. They kind of feel like, wow, if I have a call from God, then there must not be much enjoyment in it. Mm. And I'm like, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That's just not God's plan for us. Yeah. And so I think what if we've done anything well, which I'm not sure we have, but if we have, I think we've done a really good job of trying to navigate how to be super focused and committed to the call of God. I really take it seriously. My greatest goal in life is to make it to the end and hear well done. Mm-hmm. You, Whatever I handed to you, you actually took it, you multiplied it, you made much of it, and I'm really grateful. That's what I want to hear my God say to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he's put me on earth for a purpose and he's allowed me to enjoy what's here in my life. And I just refuse to move all the way through life without having that opportunity. So I, I savor life pretty well. That sounds like us. I'm like vacation, food, we're in. That's the things that Aaron and I yeah. love to oh my enjoy. Gosh, I watch some of the stuff Aaron actually makes food wise. Oh my God. I'm like, I know. What in the world I am coming for dinner? I get to enjoy it right here in my house. I I am coming, so I don't know if you're inviting, but I'm definitely coming. Come on in. And we love enjoying watching um, pictures of your cute dog. Yeah, she's fun. Because people laugh. They're like, I see your dog more than I see anything else. And I'm like, well, you know, actually, she is the best part of our life. So that's hilarious. But it's like the kind of dog that we would love to have. And so we're like, oh, look. She's the most human dog you've ever met in your life. And um, she brings joy to to everyone's life around us too. So she comes to work with me every day. Oh, she does? Oh, yeah. She's in the office. She is. She's actually more loved here than any of us. So it works out pretty great. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so that's kind of how we, we like to do as well. Shelly, I want to I want to know what you've been reading lately. You know, I just started reading a really great book by Brene Brown, which I'm sure you've probably already read. Um, I read one of her first books, which is called uh, Daring Greatly, mm-hmm. I think was the first one of hers. And I was so just moved by the content of what she's saying. She obviously comes from a scientific um, background. And so some of what she's trying to communicate to us psychologically is just really founded Mm. in what she's learned just by experiment and by being, by being alive. Yes. But also by just um, 
uh, studying, you know, humans and mm-hmm. figuring out what, what about our vulnerabilities make us open to what God wants to do in us. So I just started reading uh, Rising Strong, mm-hmm. which is basically her, her book about failing and making a comeback. And uh, I think, you know, that Louie just wrote a book called The Comeback. And right. so come, comebacks are on my brain. Uh-huh. And, um, and I just... I'm starting to read it, so I'm not very far in, but I love where, where she's coming from. And you know, she's Texan, so she just comes straight at it. That's what it is. It is what it is, is what she said. I mean, I love know. it. Yeah. I mean, you know, between she and Jen Hatmaker, they can write some books. So uh-huh. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in, and I'm just trying to savor it and enjoy um, learning kind of how we respond to things and why. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, in ministry, we're around a lot of people all the time. We're always serving people, which is amazing. I love it. It's the gift of my lifetime. But sometimes there's not the time to ask why people do what they do. And this book is helping me kind of delve into more of those whys. Why do we respond that way? What makes us bring up those defenses? Why do we feel so combative in this situation? And, um, and I love the discovery of that. So it's kind of a good book. I think you guys would enjoy it as well. That's awesome. I've heard lots of people talk to me about that book. I just the other day ordered her uh, Daring Greatly. Is Daring that the, Greatly is a good book. And I think, I know, I've never read it, but it's one of her early books, but I can't wait to get my hands on it. I just ordered it recently. Yeah, I read that and just was really inspired by the way she writes and the things that she's saying. And um, and I just, I love people. Like, how many books do you read about failure? Mm, right. <laughs> like, I don't know when the last book I read about failure. No know? one, they just want to hear about the success. Yeah. But rising strong is about everything doesn't always work. Mm. It's not always successful. It doesn't always go well. It's not always what you thought. You Sometimes your expectations are not met. What do we do then? Mm. How do we come back from places that are really difficult? And I think this book is going to be really inspiring. So I'll let you know. Let me know. And even just thinking about, I love that, that even that topic even, because I think it's a hard conversation to have, but really we look at it. And if we all look back on places and things and things that have happened in our life, we can probably see from the failures and things that have happened that they've actually been ways that we've either learned from or have stepped us into something else that we're doing. Well, I think there's vulnerability and failure that you don't have any other way. Mm-hmm. I really think that um, when everything's going right and it's successful, you know, that's when you feel like, oh man, I got this down. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we are, we're rolling now. And um, I feel like when things aren't really going or you've tried something and it didn't work or you're, you're thinking about doing something and you're fearful of it, that's when I think you learn the most. And like you said, you, you rise to those occasions because of the failure that you felt. And overcoming is a, is a human spirit thing. But learning kind of what activates some of that in us is a really helpful thing. So I'm all about the comeback. I believe God uses people who feel so disqualified in life to do the most amazing things. And um, all the periphery people in the scripture are the ones I'm always drawn to, Mm. people that were unexpected, that totally were discounted because of a thousand reasons, like they are definitely not the right person. Mm -hmm. And then God says, it's them. And some of that is his ability to do whatever he wants through whoever he wants. And some of it is that he picks sometimes the least likely, I think, because it allows for him to be big in the story and not the person, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I feel that way about Louie and I. I feel that way. I'm sure about you too, that mm-hmm. God's like, Oh, who should I choose? I'm like, pick somebody else. It's mm-hmm. definitely not us. No. I mean, I don't even understand why you, would sh- there's gotta be somebody more qualified. Mm-hmm. There has to be somebody that could do this better than us. And he's like, no, because the story is going to be about me. Mm-hmm. And not about you or your ability. It's mm-hmm. going to be about me and my ability. And um, 
And so then you realize, oh, well, then everybody is qualified. Yeah. And that's where the hope comes in. Like <laughs> the hope is just like, oh, there's hope in this because that's right. I know I don't qualify, but God that's still right. picks me and he that's still exactly th- he believes it. in me. Yeah. So there's yeah. that hope. Oh, yeah, that's great. so good. Um, what are some of the things that you're loving right now in your world? Things I'm loving. I always well, ask my guests three things they're loving. Well, I'm loving spring. Spring in Atlanta is one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen. And so I'm loving spring, except that there is a fog of yellow haze from um, all the pollen that's flying around. It's crazy here too with that. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's allergies nuts. We had summer in Texas and we had a sort of summer light. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that is that Texas weather or not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it was never winter, really. And it, it never was really a fall or a spring. We used to call fall in um, in Waco, Texas, we used to call it fell because it all happened in one night. Yeah, there you it go. Would, <laughs> it would literally blow in from Saskatchewan or somewhere and every single leaf on every tree would blow over. And it was like, okay, well, that was fall. Hope y'all enjoyed that. There it was. Um, Yeah. So Atlanta has four seasons. Spring is so glorious and beautiful. Everything's blooming. And that color of apple green that you just cannot believe how beautiful it is. Mm. And so I'm loving that right now. Uh, I'm loving my new jeans that I have on today. They are the best mom jeans ever. Where are they from? Because we need to know. (laughs) I don't even know what brand When a woman loves jeans, everybody else wants to know. So here's my thing. I really don't know what brand they You're are. You have to stand do. up and oh gosh, I'm putting your pants and check them out. <laughs> I don't even. Okay, you, you guys could see, if y'all could see how awkward <laughs> this is. You don't even know. They they they're kind of like the ripped jeans, you know, uh-huh. that everybody was wearing a while back. That yeah. I'm so old that I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I could wear those, but turns out I'm just going to wear them anyway. There so you go. I'm wearing those, but they have stretch in them. But the best part, this is the part I was going to tell you about, is that their higher waistband. Mm. Praise God, the praise higher God, waistband yep. is coming back. I agree. It's like it's like manna from heaven to 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 us women. Oh I mean, my gosh! It's just the my best. my little muffin top has never been happier to be inside <laughs> of my jeans. <laughs> oh my gosh, Shelly! Today I put on a skirt, and it's a skirt that actually has this elastic waistband. And I thought to myself, the best thing about this skirt is I can pull it up higher. See, and everything's like it's covered. A yes. For a while, everything was around my hips, and that just meant everything was overflowing. So anyway, <laughs> that's what I'm really enjoying today. We need to quit the overflow. So we need that's stuff so up higher. Overflow. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, you're loving spring and your high waisted jeans. My high waisted jeans. What else? Um, let's see. I really feel like spiritually speaking, I am, I'm back in trying to memorize scripture in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had seasons of that in your life. Um, I've had really good seasons where I feel like I'm really taking this stuff on and I'm really starting to hide the scripture in mm-hmm. my heart. And I'm back in that season of really trying to put some of the word back in my heart. So I'm living in Philippians right now. Mm-hmm. And just thinking about and processing that all day long. And it feels like, you know how uh, God talks about in Scripture all the time, and you know sometimes we pay attention to it and sometimes we don't, but He talks about how when our brain comes to a resting place that it should be Him. Mm. And I think so many times our brains are on such overdrive, I know mine is, Mm -hmm. that when my resting place comes, it's not always Him. And when I start memorizing Scripture, I figure out that when I'm in the resting place in my brain that I am resting on Jesus. Mm. And it is one of the best ways that I have found to find that heart peace contentment that I'm so striving for every day in life. 
And um, it's because I'm trying to think about the scripture. I'm trying to hide it in my heart and memorize it. And so it's just whenever I have a blank space, I go back to it. And uh, it's really been good for my life. So spiritually speaking, that's probably the, one of the best things that's happening for me right now. How do you go through that process of memorizing scripture? Do you write it down? Do you use an app? Do you, what do you, um, what do, I you do? actually do, I use an app a lot. I use um, the my phone. I feel like my phone is ever with me. And know, so right? as a result yeah. of that, so is the scripture. And so I use that a lot. But when I start memorizing scripture, um, my husband taught me this, which is helpful. You know, he, he's taught me a lot of bad things too, but this is a good <laughs> one. Um, he taught me that you can laminate, which is a word. When's the last time you heard the word laminate? That like would be fifth grade. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there still is a Kinko's guys. Uh-huh. And there's a thing called a laminator there, which no one knows what, what is if you're 30 and under. <laughs> yeah. But you can copy and laminate your scripture. And when you do, you sort of have that protected version of whatever you're trying to hide uh-huh. in your heart. For me, it's you know a chapter of scripture or two. Uh-huh. Ultimately, I'd like to have the whole book of Philippians hidden in my heart. And if I do that, it's going to take me some time. Uh-huh. And it just allows me to have it in the shower. It allows me to have it in the car. It allows me to have it down and crammed in my book, book backpack, uh-huh. wherever. And it doesn't get mangled and torn. And so it's not like I'm always trying to find the scripture and open it so that I can go back to verse threes uh-huh. because I'm really trying to memorize it. It's like it's kind of always there. And so that's a good way to, to go about it if you're looking for an easy way to, to memorize scripture. That's awesome. And then you can write on it and erase it and right. go back through it again and write on it. There yep. was an app that I was using one time. Do you know the name of the app that you use? Because I cannot think of it or I would just... Um, I use Bible Gateway a ton, um, and that's on your phone as well. And then obviously I use version. I think everyone in... Mm-hmm. The world uses you version, but mm-hmm. I use it uh, a lot just to look scriptures up or to think about things that I'm trying to remember. But when it comes to memorizing, I think more of a physical thing helps me. Yeah, to be able to look at it, write it down, yeah. hear and it. And have it everywhere. Mm-hmm. I have some friends that they will play, um, some of them play the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is a wonderful Bible that I love, yeah. um, in their kids' rooms at night. And then some some of my friends actually just pray, I mean, not pray, they actually just play scripture um, I love in their it. kids' rooms when they go to bed. I mean, like, what, what this, could fill I need to your do heart this. with peace more than that? That's Instead of awesome. me falling asleep, like in front of the TV, watching another episode of who knows what, like yeah. what if I just turned on the scripture? That's a pretty great idea. I haven't really done a lot of listening to scripture. I do some in the car, like mm-hmm. if I'm on a long drive or something, but I do think that's got to be great just to have that going into your heart as you rest your mind on him. Yeah. You know, and as you rest to know that God is forever working, that he is not sleeping. It's crazy. It's crazy, a good, crazy. It's a good thing. Okay, Shelly, before we go, I want to know, Passion, 20 years old. Your 20th one is this year. It is. Um, what do you think, what do you want? What do you dream? What do you hope for in the next 10 years? Um, not just, you know, with passion, but personally and whatever. What do you, what in 10 years, what's something that you would hope to see um, accomplished or hope to see something working within you? Um, what are you looking forward to in 10 years? Um, I have a lot to look forward to. It's so interesting, you know, how God times things in your life. And I'm about, I'm 51 years old. I'm about to turn 52. Um, it's an interesting season to kind of regroup your life and figure out like, what am I doing and mm-hmm. what am I supposed to accomplish? And am I on track? Are we actually doing those things or are we kind of over on a tangent somewhere? And, um, and so I've done a lot of evaluating, I think in the last year or two. And I think over the next 10 years, you know, I've seen a lot of history where God's done some remarkable things. Um, even just, we haven't even talked about, but sort of the record label thing where God has written a lot of songs for the Mm. world, um, through some of the people that 
that I'm, you know, closest to and around the most and watching that happen and knowing that God can do whatever he wants and he can do it as wide as he wants. Um, it has just fueled my belief that God wants to do some pretty substantial things. And I think passion will be a big part of that. I really, it's so interesting to be 20 years into passion and to mm-hmm. know that it feels like it's just the beginning. Mm-hmm. It is the craziest feeling because I think everything in me wants to retire. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, you, but you feel as though there's so much more in front of you. I cannot even imagine. <laughs> I can't... Um, I can't even think about the fact that it that it's done because I really think it's only just begun. Yeah. And I really do believe the line that the best is still ahead. And I it fuels me every day. I feel like God has so much to do on campuses in our nation and around the world. I think he has so much that he wants to do in our hearts and sending us out to the nations. And, and I want to be a part of that. I don't ever want to be somewhere in my recliner, you know, Mm, I just, mm -hmm. I can't fathom that that will ever be my life. I want to be standing on the front line as long as possible and allowing God to use my life, but also encouraging others that he can use theirs. So I think that'll take a lot of different forms, the church, through passion, through hopefully songs Mm -hmm. that go around the world in a lot of different forms, but I'm excited to be a part of it. That's awesome. We didn't even talk about songs, but I, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I sometimes am completely um, honored that I get to be um, close to someone who I believe is is writing songs like for the church that will be sung for years yeah and you too you know with your record label you're you're close and you're in with this and I sometimes think man what an amazing God to let me see like front row these things developing that literally will be sung for you know for years and years and years to come I mean that kind of gives me the chills yeah, it's a it's an incredible privilege, and um, you know those songs become the soundtrack for a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And Louie and I, and obviously our team, uh, Chris and Crowder, and a lot of people have gotten to travel all over the world, and just to play the first note of a song, you know, play Ten Thousand Reasons with Redmond standing mm-hmm. somewhere in India, mm-hmm. and you play the first strum of that song, and to know that every single person, it is the soundtrack of their life. I'm like. What? It's, like, it's it's overwhelming. It gave me the chills just now. I mean, I, I mean, literally, oh my God, I don't know how I get this privilege of being in these moments, but I'll forever hold them with the kind of care that I think you have in your heart. Yeah. Because you're 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 literally changing what's in people's mouths to and about you, and you're using some of the people that I know and love to do that. And so, what an honor! What it an honor a, to be around. It's an honor. Well, Shelley, I'm so glad that I got to have you on the happy hour today. Jamie, I loved everything about it. It's so wonderful, and nothing could stop us. This is our second time to reschedule, and we had technical problems, and we made it, and it was beautiful. Hey, I think we have accomplished something. The fact that we made this is, I mean, awesome. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Guys, wasn't that a fabulous chat with Shelly? It's fun to think about what God might have in store for the next 20 years of passion. So much of our conversation was such the heartbeat of my ministry, and it was fun to talk about that stuff with her. Hey, guys, I want to thank another one of our sponsors for the happy hour this week with Shelly, and that is Jen Sprinkle Creative. Jen Sprinkle is a friend of mine, and if you've seen the Happy Hour logo, you've seen that she that you love it. I hope you love it. I love it. Well, she's a creative genius behind it. Jen Sprinkle does more than just create logos. She's actually she does graphic design, product design, web design. One of the things she also does is creative sessions. She wants to allow women to be closer to making their dreams come true. 
she actually says, this is Jen's word, she says, I want to hear what your dream is, that thing that fires you up, that thing that keeps you up at night, and I want to help you figure out how to take it from great to awesome. I want to cheer you on and convince you to take a risk and believe you can do this. I want to make your dream a beautiful reality. And that is what she does. She is a designer of dreams and taker of risk, and she does that. She does design and web content um, creative development. She does creative strategy, product development. And so check her out, jensprinkle.com. I think that you're going to love seeing all that Jen Sprinkle could do for um, you personally and for your company. Remember, everything we chat about will be up on my website, jamieivy.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Find me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and share with me something you love from this episode. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy, and the music is from Jason Poe. Guys, enjoy your week and share the show with a girlfriend. Have a happy hour with a friend as well. See you next week, guys. Hey, guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie, and I'm your host, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays, and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.